too. It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My, My Michelle Live Sports Timeout. The fans, the field, the faith, the fun. Here's Michelle. And the fellas. It is sports time out. We take a look at the sports of the week, the stories, and we give commentary that defies sometimes the average level of fun. And it looks for the God story as well. I'm so happy to be with you guys today. I was sharing with you an email that I got from a listener this week that said, I watch and I, it amazes me how often I give my commentary. I talk back and then in the back of my mind, I get offended that no one's listening to me. And I realize, oh yeah, I'm not actually on with you guys. I'm just watching you guys. But you as the listener, the viewer, you really are part of the family. We celebrate more than than just our love for sports, but our love for a risen Savior who we will be celebrating and come Easter time next week. Let me introduce you to the fellas. We have with us Brent. Author, photographer, Brent R. Baker. Mighty good man he is indeed. Another mighty good man is a pastor chaplain player in the best sense of the term and all around oh and the striker this week we'll talk about that Garrick Payne get ready to get and we have with us he is an author of some pretty amazing books that meld sports with devotionals what could be cooler, Jesus and sports? Come on, that's what we do here. He's such a great guy. And coming up, it's been about a year since we met, and he's just already endeared himself as one of my favorite brothers. We have with us Del, did we? All right, guys, good to have you with us today. Lots of wow stories to go through, but my it's exciting. I love this time of the year. Opening day. Come on, Woo-hoo! baseball fans. <laughs> and I see we have a little bit of a bias on part of a part of our What are you talking about? <laughs> And I don't know, Josh isn't here, who is often... He's, he's I know, kind of, it's a good thing, too, because the whole show with when, Josh just going on yeah. and on about the Mariners. He loves <laughs> his Mariners, and it has been exciting because they have been America's underdog team. Now they're just a baseball not, team. And that's not really anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, any thoughts on opening day, Dell? Th- these guys are going to talk Mariners, I'm sure, so let's see what you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> my opening the opening day went as I expected here in Ohio. So not a whole lot there. What is it a big surprise? <laughs> it's gonna be that way more so than not this year. They'll probably break their record and hit 110 <laughs> losses is what I'm predicting. So this was a good start for the, for Cincinnati. Yeah, it was to me really fun opening day. There's no real surprises or anything except for things have changed a little bit with the pitching clock being instituted. And we already saw, okay, how can we manipulate this? <laughs> when we were watching some of the spring training games, the no crowd 
rule. And this is to take us from baseball was getting to, it was just a game of home runs. If you can home run it, great. I was just at a pregame skills thing that was going on here. I live in Seattle as well. And Julio was no surprise, 10 homers pop. And it was getting to be a game. You lost some of the nuances of the importance of bunting, base stealing. So you lost some of that because of just how developed athletes are. I guess that's my take on it. Brent, Garrick, what say you? Part of it is that baseball has focused its development on what they call the three true outcomes, which is home run, walk, and strikeout. And unfortunately, while they're all important, those are like three of the least action aspects, action-filled I mean, aspects of the game. It's they like, are exciting, but you, they are exciting, but that's all, all there you is, get. It's like you don't get actual base running. You got a guy jogging around the bases, and yeah, it's great. You get your runs, but I want to see doubles and triples. Guys running after balls in the outfield, trying to make diving catches. That's um, pretty stolen cool. bases, all that stuff. The pitch clock. Some people don't like it. I am loving it. Um, last night's Mariners game, two things happened. The game went like two hours and 15 minutes. Part of it was the pitch clock. Part of it was the pitching was yeah. amazing. There were there was one walk in the whole game. So that'll shorten your game up. They too. do have a good bench. Yeah. And a good bullpen. Good, good pitch pen clock came into bench. play. Yep. Pitch clock came into play with um, the Indians reliever. I can't pronounce his name. It's It starts with a K like Carcinic or something like that. He had helping. a pitch clock. He had a pitch clock violation called against him in the inning. The Mariners scored their three runs, and this is where actually I loved how, what ended up happening. The fans got into it; they started like counting down the pitch clock as he was pitching the next several pitches, and he got totally rattled. Uh-huh. And it just amped up the crowd even more. And then Ty France hit a home run for the Mariners, which ended up being the game winner. But I think it's going to put a premium for it, it'll increase crowd involvement in close games and as well as shortening the games and it'll put a premium on these guys who can perform under pressure because when you've got you got it's like standing at the free throw line or what happened to uh, poor russell wilson poor russell wilson in denver last year when his own fans were counting down the play clock (laughs) hopefully Fans will do it to the opponent's pitchers and not their own. But that said. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but see, that's exciting. For a Mariner fan, great opening day. I like the way the pitch clock is playing out. And what could also be more appropriate, really, than Aaron Judge leading off the season with a home run. Like the first pitch, second at bat for any team this season. Aaron Judge had 62 last year. And I think he's going to make a run at 70 this year if if things go well for him. Garrick, the thing is, when I was getting a feel for the crowd, I wasn't at opening day. I was at a hockey game. But the feel of the crowd the day before was, yeah, it's going to be great if you're watching on television. But I go to baseball games because I like that kind of slow and hang out with your buddies kind of thing. So it's going to be interesting. I think if games if the game is close... I think the crowd will be into it. And you go to a soccer game, everybody ends up singing through the whole thing. It's true. It's true. <laughs> well, interesting. So you still have your time between innings and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you so. do. And that's great. Yeah. I think I'll be going to a game on Sunday, so that'll be cool. But this was the Mets and the Marlins. This was the worst of bumbling. We're trying to find our way with the pitch clock thing. I don't know if you heard about this, but 
because a runner, I believe it was on first, took too long to get back to the base when he was trying to, when he was running off to second, because he took too long, a strike was called against the batter. I want you guys to watch this. I'll mm-hmm. put it on screen and you can listen to the commentary. What? Yes. What's going on? They want to reset the pitch clock because it took Alonzo time to get back right. to first base. Oh, I like the call that... Did they call a ball because Alonzo took his time going back to first? <laughs> Maybe they called, a strike. they called it a strike. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. How can McNeil They're get, supposed get to wait for the base runners to get within reasonable distance of the base before they reset the clock. That's a mistake by Vanover and his crew. If they call a strike on him, it's a big mistake. You can't- what? <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. I've never heard that heard of that call before, and it, it makes it, I think it's good. All these types of things that are going on to me are good for no. the game. What? How can no. that be good for a game? Eh, the poor batter. It's not his fault. And I know, but as Brent that's said, not good. It's a team sport. And, I think and- it sounds like the umpires messed up the situation yeah too. a team sport okay someone out in the outfield you don't like him and he gives the ump a bad look i'm gonna call a strike on you where i doesn't make sense to me unless it's a well, rule there's a rule there okay fine i, I know is it not a rule, a rule? no it is now it is yeah. is it now, is now. That, <laughs> if they no. take too long now we're gonna we're gonna now you it's a strike you got things trying to speed the game up it's it is a team so they have to do their way but you remember the days when joe morgan would take a walk for cincinnati he would literally walk to first base <laughs> who remembers that but he would walk to first base and take yeah. very slowly and it was well, just part of it, but I think this is trying to get the game speeded up a little bit. Well, and, but there's and no, just, there. that's a, a little bit too subjective for me. You took too long going back. Is there a, a time clock for that or is that just subjective? Because that gets into a gray territory I'm not comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. This is what you have when you still have human umpires and human referees. And so I, it to me, it's a part of the game. And so I just say deal with it. But I also feel like baseball is one of those games that needs to have a greater team component because it's so individualized right now. And, That's and why I, it's America's so, game there. We're a bunch of yeah. individualists. Well, but the home run strikeout walk thing, that's part of that if you've got back to the days when you have more hit and runs where you got guys taken off and the guy at the plate knows he has to make contact or his teammates hung out to dry those those are the sorts of things that made baseball more exciting moment by moment when you had stuff going on all over the field and you didn't know guy's going to uncork a throw into the stands or whatever but the home run a strikeout and a walk if that's all you get then yeah you have you go to the ballpark and you have a nice three-hour conversation with four hits that you cheer <laughs> yeah. I, one of the things that still bugs me about baseball is after the game, the teams shake hands with themselves. And it's like, <laughs> where is the where is the sportsmanship part of this? That, that was really one of the strangest things when I first went to a live baseball game. Says is the soccer that, player. Yeah, because yeah. I was expecting after the game, they're going to go shake hands with the other team. And then they just all go in this line and shake hands with each other themselves. And I'm like. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> it's so. it's their way, but, but every sport can say that. That's weird. I'm a hockey player, and I watch soccer, and when someone bumps against you, you fall down, roll around, and cry for your mother. Where in hockey, you spit your tooth out, and you go back on the ice. So you can find fault in every sport. So in hockey, after the game, do they exchange teeth? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, like, in some sports, they exchange jerseys. So <laughs> Collect them off the ice at the end. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love it. Every sport has its own nuance and I like that, but that is a good point. We could use a little bit more of shaking hands with the other team. Although, did we see last week in the girls basketball team on the collegiate level, that just turned into, here, let's, I'm not going to shake your hand, I'm just going to punch you in the face. <laughs> we talked about that over the last several weeks about what's going to happen and I'll go ahead and give my early shout out to the Bowling Green Ohio prosecutor's office for finally doing the right thing. I think we're going to start seeing more Good. of this. And this is the only way you're going to curtail this stuff is to actually yep. charge people. And she pleaded not guilty, which video evidence clearly shows she was guilty. So if you we're going to get probably four or five more of these instances where prosecutors are going to have to step in and actually charge somebody and the athletes are running on themselves. Yeah, good, good point, Dell. Absolutely. Good point. I wanted to bring it over into the collegiate level of baseball because there was another story that <laughs> was just like, are you kidding me? Now, this is the this is like the worst, obvious. Yeah. I, I was joking with you, Garrick, saying, if I just don't like the way you look at me or I don't like you out there in center field, then I'm going to call a strike over here. It has that feeling. And I was being a little tongue in cheek. But this story is exactly, I don't like you. I don't like the way you looked at me. And so I'm going to call something against you. Take a look at this yeah, story. But that's this a big gamble to take in the ninth. 1-1. One, one. Call the strike there, and it's 1-2. and two. Well, That was a bad call, but oh the next my. one's worse. All right, so that first strike went yep. down by his ankles. Yep. And so the size called... the window, Michelle, can you push the... The little double arrows. It's where we're live, and so it makes it a little bit difficult because I'm oh, okay. I'm juggling Sorry. a lot of things. So this guy, we'll see if we can make it. This is that what you were yeah, talking that, about? Yeah, yeah, talking oh, about. Okay, I yeah, thought you were no. talking about send it on Zoom. I'm like, yeah, no. yeah, right. Dude. <laughs> I'll play the that strike again so you know what's going on. It goes down by his ankles, and he's jumping up and down and going, yeah, I, that, what? Are you kidding? Big Watch. Big gamble to take in the ninth. One one. Call the strike there, and it's one and two. Nice and, attempt to oh frame my. it by the catcher, but uh, yeah. Mims is showing where. <laughs> one two coming. It's down. Oh, my God. <laughs> he struck him out on that? Yeah. Yeah. Catcher about missed it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And wow. Yeah. Get this. So he afterwards, he said, yeah, I did that. I'm sorry about it was a bad call. But my lack of judgment was because I was being treated hostily. And, and there were racially charged things from this other black player. So he felt like he was being racially profiled. Because this other black player said racial things, apparently. And so he was like, I just, <laughs> oh, okay, so you're justified then. All right. Next story, please. Uh, <laughs> it was a bad call. I remember years and years ago when I was playing baseball, it was a late game. It, it was before the pitch count, so the game took forever. We were in like the 14th inning. It was like 1.30 in the morning. 
And um, I wasn't up to bat, but I remember they called a strike. They struck a player out on a, on not as bad as that, but it was pretty obviously it wasn't a wasn't anything close to a strike. And the umpire, we know Don died a few years ago, but he says it's getting late. I want to go home, so he was calling everything a strike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There's games where, you know, yeah. you're looking at shorter baseball games now. That's nice. Last year, we had an 18 inner here in, in my yeah, town that it's it's never going to end. I'm going to yeah. be here for the rest of my life. <laughs> so- it's funny you say that because I was covering a, I think it was a soft, it was a softball game several years ago and umpire literally was like 90 years old. He was known in our area for doing various types of officiating for over 70 years and the two teams were not very good girl gets the ground ball to third base throws it across the diamond gets it to first base and the runner is safe by six feet he calls her out and everybody's yelling at him and they finally calm down and go back to the dugout and he looks over at me because i'm there covering i've got my camera and notebook and everything he's i'm 92 years old i want to live for the end of this game <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that Mariners game last season would have been okay, but they shut down the concessions like after the. Uh, I know. Right around inning. dinner time. Oh. Thank you very oh. much. But yeah, again, Garrick, I'm sorry about the confusion on that. Thank you for pointing that out that I could make that a little bit bigger. I thought you were saying, oh, yeah, send it on Zoom. I'm like, dude, I know you have confidence <laughs> in me, bro, but you know, I can only do so much. But you were saying, okay, that's part of the game and the human factor is. And I'm thinking about that going, yeah, it is. And it does give us. It, it's a little bit exciting, gives us something to talk about, get angry about. It is part of the game. I don't want it overly me- mechanicalized. In re- If I were to really think about it, it's something we deal with in life as well as on the field or pitch or court. But that's a little bit too far, don't you think? <laughs> that's just I'll push it a little bit far. Yeah. I, I think it's a little bit far, those calls, and I think if the, a guy does it one or two more times, he probably won't be doing that much longer. I think they'll have the governing bodies are going to step in and say, hey, this, these are outrageous calls, and uh, yeah, he won't find work anymore. Uh, especially when you're and admitting you did it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it, if there are actually people who are saying get rid of all the human factor. but Only if, when it works against if, my team. Give the ammunition to that. when you have this kind of stuff going on. (laughs) That's true. Speaking of college, we are getting down to the final four, and it's a really interesting one because I think it's the last time, correct me, one of you guys who is better at stats than me, but I think it was like 1979 was the last time that not a single top three seed reached the final four. So it's at least 1979, 1980, right, in the 70s. So not a single top three seed. That makes for a really fun, interesting shakeup. So we have number four seed UConn, number five seed Miami, number nine seed Florida and San Diego, Florida Atlantic, rather. Um, So that's going to be I think it's going to be fun <laughs> watching it. It certainly is nice that it's just not all the usual suspects because it's fun to mix it up. And I think this is part of what makes the tournament so exciting is the fact that that underdogs can do something. And so it'll be it'll be interesting. Garrick, for people who are listening and not watching, you wouldn't have to have anything 
interesting to say. Just your background changes just adds enough. You could just sit there and smile. Though <laughs> it's just really cool. You are on point, dude. On freaking point. Another, by the way, the NCAA championship game for men, April third at around nine twenty p.m. That's Eastern time. Darn. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. And some of the the Sweet 16 plays have been happening in Seattle, which was cool. I didn't go to a single game, but it's been in my hometown. I probably should have made an appearance or two. Apologies, girls. I'll tell you, I tell you that I watched the, sorry, the Iowa-Louisville game, um, the women's game. Yeah. They had Caitlin Clark on, one, on for Iowa and then Haley Van Lith for Louisville, who actually is from my neck of the woods here small school small town girl that's that all of a sudden has been one of the forerunners in women's college basketball and that was a fun game to watch and i think seriously i think performance wise caitlin clark has been the outstanding individual player in both the men's and the women's tournament she had the first ever triple double that where the where what is it first ever 40 point triple double in a NCAA mm. tournament game. So she had 40 points and more than 10 point, 10 rebounds and t- more than 10 assists. She had nine turnovers Super too. So she almost star. had a, she almost had a quadruple double. Uh, but so one thing that too, I will say the women's game in the last 10, 15 years has really improved. Oh yeah. I will give, give and, that way to go. And women. I think that a lot of times fundamentally the teams are better than the men's teams. And I'm not saying they're more athletic or could match up with directly with the men's team, but as far as playing team ball, shooting screens, all sorts of stuff, because they're not dependent on dunks all the time. It's an enjoyable brand of game to wow. watch. It's not exactly the same game, but I really enjoyed that game mm-hmm. to some high level play. And I think the women's final four, unlike the men's, you've got all blue bloods, basically all right. of the top teams in the final four. So it should be really outstanding as well. So that's tonight and Sunday that those yeah. games are. Yeah, so entertaining, my favorite time of the year for basketball, to be sure. The NCAA, by the way, comes into play. College comes into play. I don't know if you guys heard about the congressional hearings that are talking about name, image, and likeness. They are calling it chaos, the NIL chaos. So we're going to get into a little chaos here on Sports Time Out with you guys, as if we haven't already. Any thoughts on what's going to come of this like with anything we talked about the pitch clock and some of the weird things that the ways that we're trying to get around it and use it to our advantage i think some of that has to settle in anytime you do something new maybe the same with name image likeness dell hey i want to chime in on different we were just talking about that umpire that made that bad call news he was he is suspended by the southland conference for at least two games and maybe more as they review that game between Mississippi Valley State and the University of New Orleans. He's been suspended. I think, I don't know whether our chat got that to happen in the last <laughs> minute, but it yeah, just we're happened. We're here to make a difference, my friend. <laughs> maybe our friend Matt Peel made a call. <laughs> Go ahead. He's from down there. So. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Good news there. <clears throat> a little bit of accountability hasn't hurt anybody. It's never comfortable, but always good. That accountability. So now what about accountability with name image likeness what is some of the chaos that you guys are seeing that that they're talking about i think it's just 
that whole departure from intercollegiate athletics being not for profit <clears throat> and are not to financially gain from that changing your status from being an amateur to a pro in that respect. And then I think there's also a, a big deal with regard to the fact that certain schools may get greater visibility. And so individual players may make more money, may gravitate towards gravitate. the bigger schools, hurting the smaller schools if they think that they might get more chance to be in the limelight. Okay, so this weekend I was skiing and sat down and talked with some folks I didn't know, had some had lunch and met a woman who is oh. a sports doctor and she's worked with teams and she gave me some incredible insight into some of the things that happens in the college level. She said that colleges make bank. They make a lot of money off of these athletes. And most of these athletes will not go into the professional field and make money off of their talent. There are, there's a few that are going to become professional, but most will not. So they're putting their bodies on the line. And oftentimes they're pushed to do more because the, these guys, we need you on the court. You're one of our key players. She said even so much so that she's been evaluating players who have been injured on the court or the field. They come in to get evaluation and their coach is standing there right over them, right behind them. And there's, and she's saying, do you feel well enough? To, yes, he feels well enough to go on. And they're like, yes, I feel well enough. And she's, they are in no way enough. And there's pressure on the doctors to make sure that they give them the right shot so they won't feel the pain so they can go out there and endanger their health for the rest of their life. Name image likeness is saying, you know what, if you're putting your body on the line, you should make money in return. I don't think any of us disagrees. It's just how do you do it fairly? Now, I'd love to hear from Dell or Brent as well. You guys have both been reporters following sports. You've seen some of the shenanigans. What say you? I do think that intercollegiate or collegiate athletes should have the mm -hmm. opportunity to, to make money off their name, image, and likeness. Because if you're in an orchestra, they don't prohibit you from making money playing music. But if you're involved on a collegiate sports team in the past, guys have been tripped up for getting a free dinner from somebody. Mm -hmm. There's a whole mess of factors in play here. Part of it is, yeah, they, they, told the athletes that you can make money off of your name, image, and likeness, or basically who you are as a college athlete, but they really didn't put a lot of rules in place. The NCAA is, is pretty fractured already. They really have almost nothing to do with college football. That's run by the five power conferences. It yeah. seriously is. It's, it's not run by the NCAA, except with some disciplinary stuff. And then you have the other sports. Most of the money flows through football. Now, you have a situation where there, there's been some of the talk is that the Miami Hurricanes basketball teams in the final four is like an NIL team because a lot of their players were recruited there by local businesses and fan bases that offered athletes money if they would become a Miami Hurricane. And that now is legal. These guys get contracts. Yeah. But there's been some situations where guys have signed contracts with like fan consortiums and then the money hasn't come through and they've been left hung out to dry. Mm -hmm. So there's been some bad stuff. And there's been some good them? stuff. 
there's been some good stuff like Caitlin Clark that we mentioned. She's got some pretty good NIL deal deals, which for women in sports, there haven't been those opportunities at all in the past. So it's a mixed bag, but there needs to be some structure. However, I really, when Congress gets involved, I'm like, okay, whatever they come up with is probably not going to work. That's how I feel. <laughs> not that the Confidence NCAA has always done a great job, but I feel like that, that if there's rules in place that have some teeth, they need to be by people who are invested in the athletes and in the schools as educational institutions. Yeah, I, I don't, I have, I'm torn on opinions on it. I've seen both sides, but in the end, it, it, there's no way, there is no way for it to be fair. There will not be any way for it to be deemed fair at any league or any level of the NCAA because some Division One school that nobody's heard of is not going to have that. those opportunities as well. Plus, I still think most athletes who go to a college are there. If you're on a football team, you're getting a full ride. You basically are getting paid. Mm-hmm. So that's how I look at it as well. You're okay. getting a, a $300,000 education. Oh. That's a good so, point. and I know some guys who've been in, who've been on final four trips, who've been the national championships, they're treated very well on these trips and they're given a lot of swag and they have a lot of really good souvenirs on these trips. I know there's just no way for it to be fair. Yeah. Something else that they're looking to see if it's really fair and they want to go ahead with this is in hockey. The NHL is having a lot of trouble with the polarization of pride. So every league seems to have indigenous people night, people with too much acne night, people of color night, pride night, where there's a place for recognizing that anyone who is good enough, no matter what your background, what your belief, what you identify as, if you're an athlete, you do deserve a place at the table. You deserve to compete and you deserve to do it without the ire of other teammates because they disagree with you. They don't like what you do or they don't believe as you do. Is there anyone on this panel that would disagree with that? No. No. Okay. So settled right there. But the problem, Mm. the pride issue is it's not just about, look, if you are gay, lesbian, LGBTQ, XYZ, you deserve the same chance as anyone else. And you deserve to not be treated badly because someone disagrees with you. It's not just about that. It's about their agenda that is targeting children, giving experimental drugs and castrating children, forcing things down your throat or saying that you have to agree that gay marriage is the same as what the Bible describes as marriage between a man and a woman. You must comply. That's how I see it. And that's why there are people who have faith that are saying, yeah, I can't put that pride jersey on and represent all that pride is telling us that we must comply with. I'd like to get your thoughts, and I would like to face off on uh, Face off. Face off! How do we look at this, and what do we do? Thoughts, guys. Eric, your mic's off. Yeah, I really feel like his it, it's crossed the line, of course, in, in terms of advocating and believing in what 
and standing up for what you believe in, which I'm 100% a proponent for. But then when it crosses the line that says you must believe the way I believe, or you will be sanctioned, you will be this, you will be canceled, whatever. And that's just, to me, it's not, that's not okay. And, and I love the fact that it's sports, in sports, you can express yourself and be, be who you are. But when it starts mandating things, especially where it, it is a, something that violates one's own conscience or their own personal faith or personal beliefs, if you were to flip it around and tell people that they had to believe in something that they were vehemently or for whatever reasons did not support, they would agree with that. But then when it comes to their issue, then there's just no, no It's give. not real tolerance. And we've, we have seen it. I don't want to sound like we're just coming from a just right and this isn't fair to Christians. Look, we've seen that throughout history of pious people who there is no room. There's a reason why people feel that there needs to be rights for LGBTQ people because people who were outside of that mindset were persecuted put to death in imprisoned because if you we were if we're going to imprison everybody because of what they do in private gee why aren't we imprisoning <laughs> yeah. men who cheat on their wives and putting them to death which i'm sure a lot of wives would say yeah why aren't we yeah. and so it's it to me it's not just a left or right wing issue it's a human nature issue yeah i think Eric said this, it's crossed the line. They've, they used to be fun nights. They would come and honor such the, the girls, whatever. And it would be more fun. But when they started going into political issues, that's where it crosses the line. Yeah. We need to keep it focused on fun and not trying to send an issue. And that's where they've crossed the line. And this goes back to the, to sitcoms. Sitcoms are always funny until they start hitting issues then they start losing ratings. It's wow. Here, we're going to lose ratings. They're going to start, fans are going to stop going because you saw the kneeling incident. It gathered a little bit of steam and then it fell on his face. And now you don't see anybody kneeling at an NFL game because it was a pocketbook. I'd love to watch you write an article on that. The way you just <laughs> married that with sitcoms is like, whoa, light on, boop. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, love it. The, NH the NHL kind of started this, if I remember, back in about... 2010 when you it was in chicago when the blackhawks defenseman brent opal brought the stanley cup to a pride parade i don't have a problem with that if that's part of your community and you want to show off there that's one thing but it, what we've devolved to in my opinion we have pride night where there's stall brothers and san jose james raymer uh, were are saying yeah i can't wear this the pride night thing for those yeah. who don't know the blackhawks opted out altogether and others are have like the rangers and minnesota wild i don't know how they've come down on it but some people are saying we have russians on our team and it is against the law to propel that kind of propaganda they and their family could be put at risk we've got to opt out this is this is cost made cost people their lives and livelihood now how important is this and then there was this one on pride night one nhl team swapped out an emmy nominated singer 
for an LGBTQ singer who didn't even know the Canadian anthem. And here in Seattle on Pride Night, they swapped out the anthem singer for someone from the Seattle Men's Choir who didn't sing very well and cracked during it. It was it was like, oh, <laughs> my bad. And you're like, really? If you're going to do it, at least do it right. So we've gotten to the point where it's gotten just weird, Garrick. Yeah, yeah. And this is this has always been my issue going back to the days of affirmative action, right, which was when they put people into positions based on their color rather than based on their qualifications. And I understand that there have been some injustices throughout time and in our country, but if you try and right-size things by by propping people into places where they haven't earned it, then what happens is that you end up You having, hurt your cause. You hurt your cause, exactly, far more than you help it because then people look at you <clears throat> and they don't think that you earned your position, but you're just there because of a quota. And so- Oh, I just, do you guys want to hear a couple of stories where some people have come out against the overabundance of LGBTQ and the displacement of women, which, hey, woman here, I just want to say I have a problem with you, with gender appropriation when it displaces women. Do you know Riley Gaines, who a female swimmer, just an amazing all-American female swimmer. She completely has been blasting ESPN because they highlighted the the male swimmer, Leah Thomas, during Women's History Month. Yeah. And then there's this story where there's a male Canadian powerlifting coach, and he broke the Alberta women's bench press record over the weekend, mm -hmm. but he did it in an act of protest against the presiding organization for their lenient trans inclusion policy, just to make a point. So people are getting brave and pushing back, Brent. Yeah, it's about time, to be honest. I've said it half-jokingly, and you brought it up, is that <laughs> no one can be a woman like a man can. Uh, it Sorry, I think I did something on my camera there. Do you there. remember that old song, Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better? Yeah. I Can Do Anything Better Than You. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I've distracted myself. If you're, not, if you're not seeing me, all of a sudden I'm sinking off of my screen. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. I think to the bigger point, though, I, when we... <laughs> Well, we have these situations where you're where it's one thing to tolerate tolerance is one thing, but forcing people to celebrate things that violate their conscience. That's the line that's been crossed with trying to ensure that everybody stays. Everybody on the team has to wear the pride night shirts or whatever. If we had some huge private Christian school celebration where all the teams had to wear crosses on their uniforms, you can imagine Jesus is Lord. You can imagine the outcry, and rightfully, because in that setting, that's not the appropriate way to, to to celebrate what you believe in. But Jesus is Lord. Shouldn't everybody comply? They will one day. <laughs> oh, <Yeah. laughs> but it's not our job to it's not our job to enforce that. So that's the point. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Exactly, guys. We're getting down towards the end of the broadcast. I did want to bring a couple of cool. Uh, there goes Brent. He sunk so low in his chair. He just <laughs> sunk right off screen. 
I wanted to bring up that I hear a really amazing game was played at FTI over 55 with a 6-1 victory and two goals by our own amazing striker, Garrick Pang. Get ready to get Yeah, the other team got panged indeed, so I want to say congratulations there. Thank you very much. Yeah, the first one was a PK. And it was funny because on on that particular play, I was running across the penalty box and one of our players took a shot and it was a great shot on goal. And I couldn't get out of the way and it hit me and the ball rebounded back to him. He got the ball and crossed it and the player just took him out completely. And so I told him, I said, why don't you take it? And he goes, no, you take it. And so I took it and scored. So that was my first goal. And then the second goal happened when when the ball came through and one of our forwards couldn't get to it. And so it was going past and it was almost out of bounds right next to the the goal. And I was able to to get there and I thought, okay, I knew exactly what I was going to do. So I cut the ball back far enough where it'd be off the end line and I was going to shoot near post on the goalie. And so I did. The keeper saved it, but it bounced off his hands. It bounced off the post, off his arm, and then back in the goal. Anyway, so it was, it was exciting for me. And right before the game, my wife, she I was talking to her on the phone, and she said, score goal for me, babe. Aww, so, which one two. was for her? <laughs> Both of them. There you go. <laughs> and that's your final oh, shot. shot. No, let's take our final shot. Let's take our final shot, guys. Let's go with Dell. I have another one. Just came into play. I was going to do, I said earlier, the Bowling Green Prosecutor's Office of <laughs> Ohio for prosecuting the Memphis player. But there, I just saw this like 10 minutes ago on opening day. If anybody saw the fan who proposed, did anybody see that? No. no. It was a fan at the Dodgers game. You got to look, you got to watch this. You just Google it. A fan ran out from center field, got on the field wearing a Dodgers jersey. And got down on one knee, turned to the turned turned to the audit to the stands. I guess his girlfriend was there. Got down on one knee to propose to her, and the security guard levels completely levels the guy. His hat flies off. He got plowed. Oh my gosh! Good and bad from the, the fan. <laughs> the fan had guts, God, I, but he I, also had a lot of stupidity. She said yes because I don't you know. know. <laughs> Yeah, are you trying to find it? I am actually. Oh, you the guy just gets leveled. It looks like a linebacker coming on the starting lineup. That's not, not it. That's the wrong one. Sorry about that. Gets, fan gets leveled by security guard right at the Dodgers <laughs> game. Go ahead, Gary. What? Oh, no, I was just saying that, uh, it, yeah, the hit made me think of did the guy get up? And in the John Wick movie, this is not a spoiler alert, but it's expected. He falls off a second story onto the top of a van, yeah. onto the ground, and he just yeah, runs up. off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, That'd be a nice superpower to have. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. All right, Garrick? All right, I'm giving mine, since I'm all geared up in my Mariners uh, get up here, in the eighth inning of the Mariners opener last night against the Cleveland Indians, who are now called the Guardians, the and that's not confusing. <laughs> Ty France, who is just 
he's just an amazing person, an amazing player. And I don't, I can't remember how many home runs he had last season, but he just stepped up with two men on and hit a three run homer, which of course ended up being the final score three zero as the Mariners won their home opener. But Ty France, I tip my hat to you and give you awesome. my final shot. I like it. <laughs> Brent. So with it being final four weekend, I, I think going into it, it looks like Yukon, Connecticut, it looks like a heavy favorite of the four teams that are there. So I was reading about Dan Hurley, the Huskies coach, and I just want to give my final shot to him because he was always the other Hurley brother. Most people that watched basketball 30 years ago remember Danny Hurley, who played for Duke and made, went to a bunch of Final Fours, and he was like, he was the older brother, and Dan always was trying to live up to his older brother, their dad as a Hall of Fame high school basketball coach who who won something like 25 state titles and is like possibly the greatest high school basketball coach this country has ever seen. Um, and he struggled a lot. He struggled through college as a player and just trying to find his own way and not, not trying to be his brother. Now he's in the Final Four. Bobby also is coaching at Arizona State. He's never been to a Final Four, yet, but now he's got his family's always been supportive of him, but now they're all there to watch him in the Final Four this weekend. It's just one of those decades-long journeys of kind of determination and trying to figure out who am I that's not them. It's just cool to see. I cool. like that. Guys, I want to get... I just, I, I just text you that story if you'll see it. Okay. So. Yeah, ahead. sorry about that. It was just... My search engine wasn't doing too well. So is. yeah, there, there it is. is. Look at that. Take he got yeah, he got drilled. You should see the video. But I mean, guess what? Yeah. He said yes. She said yes. She said yes. And he's in an egg brace. There yeah. I don't know if that's <laughs> it. I swear to God it's uh he just gets plowed. It's, it's like a linebacker shot. It's crazy, but if a man's willing to go through that to to ask for uh, your hand. Girl, you say yes. Come on, you say yes. My final shot goes out to the Miami Hurricanes, who I wish I had this video. Every, my internet just went wonky for a minute. But, guys, seriously, this is amazing. Afterwards, after their last win, they get together and they unabashedly give praise and honor to God. And I like that. The thing is, though, whether you win or you lose, faith isn't about praising God when you get the W. Faith is about what happens when you don't. Is God still God? Oh, yes, he is. And all things work together for good. And it has been good hanging with you guys today. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining in. And as you're watching, listening, viewing, reading the transcript, hanging out on My Michelle Live or buying really cool merch like the, the groovy That's hat awesome. I have. You're doing do all to the glory of God. Thank you for being part of it. Like us, share us. And thank you guys. Catch you next time. For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com.